The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. Search for the latest episode of Saturday Night Ska. Okay. And don't ask me how, but it popped up. And the minute I saw the title, Todd Rundgren and Rivers Cuomo, I was like, Oh, you got to Go jump on. on that. You got to jump you on gotta that. You got to do it. Got to do and it. And instant earworm. And it's, it's one of those things that uh, our longtime listeners will probably gather. We don't play a whole lot of new shit. No, no. <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's brand new, too. Brand isn't new. It? Album yeah. forthcoming. Uh, Entitled Space Force. It's a Todd Rogan project. All right. And uh, at least that song, he's working in conjunction with Rivers Cuomo, of course, of Which Weezer. seems like a match made in twisted, twisted yeah, it's reality. Just, it's, it's like peanut butter and peanut butter. It tastes yeah. great together, but does it really? Rundgren has to be older <laughs> than dirt right now. Yep. And uh, But he was a way eclectic dude once, in a, once upon a time. Yeah. And Rivers Cuomo is the epitome of eclectic and, and the brain damaged. And, yeah. And twisted. Harvard and graduate who's got no business being in, in a rock band. I know. But has every reason to be in a rock band. Yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> all at the same time. So, yeah, that was a good call. I dug that, man. That was a lot of fun. And I like the title, Down with the Ship. All going yeah, down you know? with the ship. 
Which it kind of, you know, it, it definitely feels like that these days, that the ship is going down and we're all going down with it. Yep. And oh, by the way, anybody, I know, you know, when we were going through it pre-show that there was some some political spin on it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're one of those people who is putting a political spin on it, go fuck yourself, all right? Yeah. I'm Just so leave s- something alone. I'm so sick of everything being spun into politics. Right. And, and, you know, whatever is going after everybody's sanity these days. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if you look for it, you could find spin in anything. Oh, God, yeah. And, uh, again, for the show, we were, we were touching on, um, I was telling you a little aspect of the Rick and Morty cartoon show. <laughs> yes, yes. And, um, Sick bastards that they are. Yeah, and that's another place where, depending who you ask, right, They'll be like, well, the, the whole show is political, you know, because I might watch an episode. And I'm like, wow, they really needed to you know, put politics in this. Yeah. And somebody online will chime in. Oh, you just don't get it. It's always about politics, man. Uh, and it's like, God. no, it, it's how you interpret stuff. Yeah, go, you know, yeah. Do us, do us all a favor and, and like, you know, penetrate your brain through your eyes with a right. fork. And it's like, I don't something. care how much you like rain. I don't want rain every day. No. Don't no. want it. No. Tired of it. We got just a couple days. We'll get this election over with, deal with the fucking fallout, and then we'll deal with it. So until then. <laughs> uh, talk about normal stuff. Yeah, whatever the hell that is now. Yeah, I know, really. I'm, I'm kind of, I've lost track of whatever it is that's, that's normal these days. And uh, it, it kind of reminds me of when I first moved out to Southern California. You know, my version of normal got turned on its head and bizarre and weird turned into normal. And that, that kind of seems like where we are now with all the things that are going on in the world. But I tell and, you what, because uh, it's been going on for so long. It, it seems like that. March, you know, primarily yeah. for the whole COVID Which is thing. really not that long when you think about it. But it know? feels like dog years. Yeah, yeah it totally so, does. It totally does. Our opener tonight, or our segment, um, I guess you could call it, we're all dealing with stuff. Yeah, air quotes. Yeah, in different ways. It's it's a shit show. Yep. Uh, no matter how you look at it, so we're going to be the refuge from the shit show for just a little while. Just a little while. You know, an today. hour, let's say. Yeah, let's do it for an hour. I think we can do that. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, just just put all that down and uh, and talk about you know how we're coping with and how we're getting through said shit show. Um, you know, finding comfort in times of. Pandemic, finding comforts in time of, of utter insanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, when meatloaf doesn't do the trick <laughs> or mac and cheese, that's the other big favorite. The, yeah, I know. I know. What do you do to just get through the Yeah, night? how do you step your game up to maintain your sanity? You know, that's 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 what we're gonna we're gonna talk about today for a little while. So yeah, I want to put it to you, John. What you know, there obviously uh, you know, we're all being a little bit more indulgent in certain areas. Um, and uh, you know, drugs and alcohol and cigarettes are the obvious areas, but the the the, the subtle things. You forgot the, porn, huh? You forgot porn. Porn. Oh yes, yeah. that's right. I'm sorry. I should put porn on that list. Right. That fits. Yeah. That totally fits. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, folks, it's going to be that kind of show today. <laughs> but yeah, out of curiosity, just you know, things that maybe uh, you know would be mundane day to day indulgences we've cranked up. You know, we've we've exponentially indulged in. Okay. Um, okay. You know, I'm 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 curious as to uh, how you're maintaining your sanity, John. How are you All getting right. through this craziness? Well, I th- I think I'm picking up what you're throwing down. All and, right. Um, well, it, it depends on the day and it depends on the moment. All right. So let's say, and you, you can follow suit if you like. You know, okay. The, the three things that come to mind immediately that I've been doing more of than I normally would yep. to kind of escape. Okay. Um, playing a lot of Fallout. All right, yeah, video Just games. Just because it's, yeah, because I, I could dive into this. You got this, you know, different identity, whatever character you've made yourself. And it's just unabated, just violence and, and thievery. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like a purge yeah. online. All right. Faced with, you know, uh, an already apocalyptic landscape, not much different than what we have now. Okay. And uh, horrible monsters at every turn and nice. things that just need killing. Nice. As well as your fellow players that need killing. All right, so you, you get to kill fellow players. I like oh, you do. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't play video games <laughs> myself. I, you know, was last in the video game thing back when uh, when uh, asteroids actually, <laughs> you know, was the big thing. But uh, but no, that makes sense to me. I mean, it, it separates you from reality, it takes your mind someplace else. Totally. It isn't uh, necessarily necessarily physically addictive. Yep. You know, so you don't. Nece- you're not necessarily looking at uh, you know thirty days in rehab. 
you know, when all this is behind right. us, theoretically. So I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it healthy, but well, there I'd are definitely what, the, worse um, things you could be doing. Yeah, you know? the, the funny offsuit, uh, off, off, yeah, offshoot of the Fallout, uh, I played Fallout 76. This is the first one that is all immersive and other people can join in and you can play okay. with them around the world at the same time. Yeah. The uh, designers of the game had every intention to make this a community collaborative effort when they designed it, because that was the one thing the other games were missing. Yeah. You could do all these amazing things, but there was that, that interaction with, with other people. Yeah. You know, they've got computer-controlled non-player characters you interact with, but you can't really accomplish anything as a team, so yeah. to speak. Uh -huh. So when this game came out, they were like, oh, and you're going to get the opportunity to work with other people. And da -da -da. Let me tell you something. The last thing I want to do in some imaginative video game landscape yeah. is interact with other people, <laughs> okay? So literally, you can turn on your, your microphone on or off and talk to these people that you come across. No kidding. My shit is always off. And when somebody comes up to me and tries to start a conversation, yeah. if my hand doesn't reach for the trigger in less than like 1.5 <laughs> seconds... That's why it's just it's just relaxing because I don't want to just no I don't, don't want to talk I don't want to be part of a team nope. I don't want to make friends I don't want to do any of this shit yep. stay out of my way because I've got a bazooka on my shoulder <laughs> and I'm, I mean to use it yeah you know? and it's a video game bazooka so you're not actually really hurting anybody right and you know? literally the other day I was approaching this other person's camp that they had built up and, and this this uber nerd okay you're gonna love this All actually right. has the nerve to talk to me in like a Boris Karloff voice what because there are people that take this to the nth degree oh, Jesus. and they role play their own little characters and he was like and who is this that steps upon my settlement and I'm like oh just power I'm down gotta blow that <laughs> blow that asshole up blow his shit to hell you gotta I'm do like it. you gotta be kidding me I mean yeah. get out of your mother's basement go make out with a girl I mean rent a whore do something productive Boris Karloff really yeah and it was a wow. bad rendition of Boris Karloff oh too. man yeah yeah you gotta blow that asshole to kingdom come. yeah you so as long it. as I can avoid people like that it's just a lot of fun yeah so yeah that's definitely something I'm doing a lot more of alright alright yeah, again, like I said, if you're channeling that aggression somewhere other than in reality, you know, hopefully you can keep it there for a little while longer as, as, as we work our way through things. But, uh, but yeah, it just seems to me there are worse things you could be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. How about All you? Right. Um, probably the most obvious thing um, is, is super indulging in music. Okay. You know, um, you know spending a lot of time spinning out on YouTube, just going down the rabbit hole and, oh, yeah. and seeing like where it takes me. Like the way I found me. this, uh, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there were certain things that, uh, or certain types of music that uh, that I'm really throwing myself into that I wouldn't normally throw myself into. Um, the Go Go's are a good example. Mm -hmm. um, I think it all, a lot. A lot of that has to do with the uh, the uh, the documentary that just came out on the Go Go's not too long ago. That uh, kind of caught my eye. I arrived in, of course, the Go Go's are a Los Angeles band. I arrived in L.A. shortly after, well, I shouldn't say it. They were, they were, well, maybe they were on the decline at that time. This is about 1985. Mm -hmm. You know, they peaked, I'd say, around 82, 83. That's right. when they, you know, really, really hitting it hard. And it was just a fascinating, interesting thing. And, uh, and you know, and watching the Go-Go uh, documentary, it was like, these chicks partied. They partied hard. <laughs> and it was like, right on, man, you know, because you, you got... You got the impression that uh, that at least if you don't know anything about the Go Go's that they were some kind of uh, you know chick sorority band or right, something like right. that, but uh, but they did in fact start in the punk underworld yep. in Los Angeles and uh, I kind of had a peripheral knowledge of that and I kind of didn't dig them because it was like okay you went from that to you know pop mainstream right, shit, right. but in watching the watching the documentary it was clear that uh, you know they they didn't uh, I don't think they compromised their ethics. Mm -hmm. In doing so, they just they just chased the muse where it took them, and they you know they still rocked, they still partied hard, um, and 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 were very very uh, fun in that right. respect. And uh, you know, kind of just in seeing the documentary led me to get you know into the Go Go's music mm -hmm. far more, I think, under normal circumstances than I ever would. Oh sure, um, you know, same thing with Bow Wow Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bow Wow Wow doesn't have a documentary; they probably should, but you know, you're getting into that sound. Um, it's not really my thing. That's not really the kind of music that I get into. But now it seems like I'm kind of indulging in it. And probably the biggest indulgence, and this probably goes back to my roots, is the Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. um, read a uh, read an interesting book that was written by the drummer Chris Franz called "Remain in Love," 
And uh, David Byrne now has a document, not a documentary, but he has a show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Byrne's American Utopia, I think is yep. what it's called. And uh, the whole thing kind of gives me flashbacks to, <laughs> you know, the early 80s. They were, they There's were, one thing you needed more of was flashbacks. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Good point. Maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe I will after the vaccine comes out or whatever. But yeah, the, you know, the heads were a New England band. They came out of the Rhode Island School of Art. And, uh, and when I was first, you know, when I was in high school getting hip to cool bands and, and punk bands and whatnot, they, though they're nothing like punk bands, really, right. um, the heads were lumped into that, that whole Well, because they came out genre. of CBGB, so. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, getting into the talking heads. And yep. those, that's just like three examples of, you know, bands and music that if things weren't really fucking weird right now, I probably wouldn't be pursuing. You know, so obvious indulgence in music. You know, it, it's, in a lot of the ways, it's the same effect that uh, that getting into the video games has. Uh, you know, when you indulge in it, just mm-hmm. it takes me out of reality, right? And it takes me out of today, and it takes me out of all the bullshit that's going on in the world right sure. now. And uh, and yeah, and it's it's you know combined with uh, drugs and alcohol, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a, it's a good distraction. It really I tell is. you, my uh, my my number two was going to be something different, but now having listened to you like recount this, there is something I, I started doing that's been around for a while, but I haven't really paid much attention to because I always thought it was like fake and phony and whatnot. But on YouTube, you'll yeah. see there's a large contingent of videos under uh, a moniker of reaction videos. Yeah. And what they do is that they'll take, I guess it's it's almost a little racist, but they'll take people who don't fit the mold of liking a particular kind of music yeah. and sit them down and, again, supposedly, you got to have some kind of suspension of disbelief, or maybe it is true, I don't know, uh-huh. listening to like classic rock songs, let's say, for the first time and getting an appreciation of it. And generally, more often than not, it's, it's a young African-American man or woman that's listening to this for the first time. Yeah. And you would think that they're going to be like, oh, what the hell is this crap? You know, but they get super mega into it. But as I kept looking, it's branched out from there now. And the one that I was watching was a professional flautist, I think. <laughs> and she was either from Germany or, or, or Sweden. Was it flutist or flautist? I, I always thought it was flautist. It was flautist, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and she was listening to Jethro Tull for the first time. And she had like five different videos where this classically trained concert flautist was listening to of his like different most popular songs done live. Right. And you watch their reactions. Like they're in a, like a sound booth kind of with the headphones and all. Yeah. And then she'll stop it and she'll like look at him like where his fingers are placed on the flute and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other ones where, where they have like um, the black kids listening, it's maybe listening to Phil Collins in the air tonight for I, the first yeah, time. You know, I think I saw that video and they're yeah. air drumming and shit. Yes. Yes, yes. And there's one guy, I forget his name, and he did like a bunch of different ones and they were all famous classic rock tunes. Uh-huh. And his reaction, the way he was like, he's like, wow, this, is real, this reminds me of this, because they'll pause it here and there, yeah. and they'll say, well, this reminds me of a part of like something, something. Let's see it, like, if it keeps sounding like that. And they're really enjoying it. If they're not in the whole thing is theatrical, then that's fine, too. Right. But there really is. They're, they're onto something, because it's like you've seen a movie, or you've heard a song, and you want to share it with your friends, mm-hmm. okay? And when you share it with them and they like it, you're like, that's amazing. I look like a genius now. And then if they don't like it, you, you ever notice you get really pissed off, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, hey, did you watch that DVD I gave you? Well, yeah, I kind of did. What do you mean you didn't like it? Yeah. Piece of shit. I'm never going to do anything again. You're dead to me. <laughs> I'm not going to try and broaden your horizons ever again. Yeah, so for yeah. Uh, my, my second thing that, that comes to mind, yeah, it's, it's those damn reaction videos. Yeah. Because they got it for everything. There's, there's movies, there's TV. I haven't even gotten to that yet. I've just been doing, like, the music stuff. Right. But it's in its own little hokey way. It is sharing new experiences with, with, with people yeah. and becoming more interactive. That's interesting. Yeah. I had no idea that was a thing. Yep. Now, like I said, I've, I've seen the, the Phil Collins, you know, with the black kids hanging out. And I think they were rappers. They were artists, right. weren't they, or something? Yeah. And, yeah, I didn't. I thought this was just something random. And it was kind of like, oh, that's curious. I don't right. know why they posted that. Okay, yeah, but there's a lot of them up there now. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Well, yeah, again, you know, compared to other possible distractions. Sure. You know, <laughs> relatively healthy. Relatively healthy. So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Watch him take the bottom out of this one, folks. John, have you ever killed small animals and buried them in the backyard? 
Have you ever pulled the wings off of insects? Hello, nine one one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think there's, a, there's another indulgence I think that, that, that a broad spectrum of people are really guilty of. I know I sure as hell am. Um, and there's even a term for it. I think people are calling it the COVID-20. But, oh, yeah. uh, but food, which ironically does function as a, a kind of a drug to a lot sure. of people, particularly when you overindulge in it. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely finding myself uh, you know, eating things that... Normally, I would shun. Normally, I would steer clear of. For some reason, bacon cheeseburgers huh. are, are getting me. And, and every time... From it, a particular place? Yeah, actually, yes. Right, we'll go yeah. fill it out, flesh it out now. <laughs> well, no, we're, no, we're, we're no in negotiations. No Yeah, we're in negotiations right now, okay. so I'm not going to disclose. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, bacon cheeseburgers, pizza is another big thing. Eating well, you've always been big on pizza. Yeah, but usually, I mean, in, under normal circumstances, I pretty much restricted that to one day a week. Okay. And Because uh, from yeah. my recollection, like, folks, he eats pizza like... Toddlers in a stroller eat loose Cheerios. <laughs> that he's always got it in his hand. It's uh, yeah, it's it's becoming a, a <laughs> an overindulgence without a doubt. And uh, and yeah, I am a huge fan of uh, seasoned chicken wings. Okay, um, teriyaki wings are the big thing right now. But yeah, just it's like if I go come home and I don't have you know one of these three things right. you know in the fridge you know that I can indulge in after a long day of dealing with fucking reality. I get squirrely, man. I get a little bit like... Hey, that ladies, he's single. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't go home and weak old Chinese and a flat beer in the fridge. Hey, you know. <laughs> Strange days indeed, King people. Of the bachelors. Strange days indeed. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm you know, curious. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people are, are, are eating way more of something. Or maybe, you know, completely off the wall shit that, that they've never yeah. eaten before. And and yeah, food has a has an endorphin reaction and yeah, mm-hmm. comfort aspect of it, and uh, and yeah, I think if you're in the in the uh, uh, gym business uh, and you can survive what's going on right yeah, now and come out that. the other side and you're still still in business, that there's going to be a lot of that. Just like I think drug rehabs are going to blow up when whenever the shit is over, yep. unfortunately. But yeah, if you can steer clear of it and, and eat or indulge in something that'll kill you a little bit slower. Yeah, you'd probably be better off for it. Right. You know? Yes, I, I find myself heading down that, that same road when I go food shopping because mainly I'm going food shopping way too much. Yeah. So now if I'm in a store, like literally four days a week, I'm stopping off to pick up something. Yeah. And in reality, it's this shit I don't need. Mm-hmm. Worse than buying stuff for me, though, is that I'm passing it on to our director of security, little Miss Beatrix Kiddo. <laughs> like... Does she, does she need this treat? I think she needs this treat. Maybe she'll like this treat. Bees filling her quick. I gotta she say, is. and it she looks is. like muscle because she's just still little. But oh, yeah, and and since she's on security, since she's on patrol, right? You know, you want that. You want her to be, you know, a little scary, a little formidable looking. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But the downside of that now is because she's still, you know, I'm still training her and everything. Her going out to do her business is now uh, up front. There must be a treat involved. To get her to engage in, in this process, she knows the game. She's yes. mastered the game. And then once she it does one or two or both, she got to come in and to seal that deal, she needs another treat. Yeah. That's the denouement at the end of it. Yeah. Followed up by immediately eating her breakfast or dinner. Yep. And then getting a dessert treat. She knows <laughs> the concept of dessert, which is just bizarre. Nice. You know. Nice. I gotta, I gotta ask who's, who's walking who here. Who's Seriously. walking who? You know? And everyone's like, she's got your number. Mm. She does. They're deceptively <laughs> intelligent. They're sharp. They're sharp. Uh, you firsthand witnessed tonight oh, the yes. haggling. Yeah. Because folks went the bargaining. There was, right. There was bargaining going on. When Uncle Mike comes into the studio, she goes <laughs> just batshit crazy. So get done with the introductions. It's time to sit down, start recording. And I'll normally just like grab a treat. And as soon as she sees me grab a treat, she'll make her way to her room and her crate where she'll stay. Now she's, she's somehow gotten into bargaining with yeah. me. So I produced two treats. You got to double down now. <laughs> you know, what kind of a combo? Because she wasn't going with on? the first one. No, so Because it was a dentist she, stick. Which is, she gave that a thumbs down. Right. A very clear thumbs down. But when I added a tiny, tiny milk bone to the mix, she reconsidered and went right into the kitchen. But she thought about it for a minute. She did pause briefly and thought about it. Right. Which is very interesting. So to watch. she's already really, she has all the life skills necessary to be a car salesman right now. <laughs> so if this whole radio thing doesn't work out, Bees all set. We'll I still mean, be able to pay the mortgage. Yeah, yeah, she's good. Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Now, another, another thing you and I were talking about uh-huh. uh, pre-show, um, during this, this, this crisis on top of a crisis on top of another fucking crisis, uh, I think we're both investigating news sources Oof. that normally we wouldn't <laughs> give the time of day to. I know we touched on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, uh, you could have asked me a year ago, John, uh, I know you sometimes watch Fox, but do you ever watch Tucker Carlson? And I'd be like, no, the man's a friggin' Muppet with a bow tie. Yeah. And just, I just run off a list of things I compare him to. Douche on wheels. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't even think about it. But guess what? Yeah. In lieu of like reruns of Bob's Burgers and Family Guy <laughs> on Adult Swim before I go to bed, yeah. now I'll tune in for a little Tucker. Yeah. And in my defense, there's enough wacky things out there that some of what he's talking about now is actually true. Yeah. You know, granted, spin involved. Broken clocks right twice a day, man. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, you know, but here it is. It's a double-edged sword because it's like comforting, like taking a little ambient, oh, somebody else thinks like I do. Now I can sleep. Yeah. Or they'll show footage of somebody pissing on the unknown soldier's grave, you know, <laughs> yeah. some yeah. clip they found somewhere. <laughs> and then I'm pissed off and I can't sleep. Yeah. It's tough, man. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I'm experiencing the same thing with CNN.com. You know, I haven't, you know, I would be the first person to, uh, you know, uh, narrate the documentary, <laughs> What the Fuck Happened to CNN? Right. Uh, you know, once upon a time, a, a, a relatively respectable news source. I, w- I would say very respectable. Yeah, has gone completely to shit. Totally. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, in the morning, I'll, I'll punch up CNN.com, and it's, and it's weird. It, 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 it almost feels like a compulsion now. Right. You know, even though I know it's, it's almost like watching a train wreck. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be wasting my time doing this, but I can't take my eyes off it. Right. And, uh, and yeah, most of it's garbage. Most of it's junk. And I, I do find that it's making me more angry, I think, than I would normally be. See, and you, you probably watch it like to start your day. And yeah. I do it to finish my day. Both are equally horrific. Yeah. Because I'll go to sleep pissed off. You'll wake up. Positive and then productive as usual. And See that, and then just and it just gets slam dunk. Twist, yeah, yeah. It gets slam dunk while I'm while I'm drinking coffee. So it gets slam dunk <laughs> and cranked up, courtesy of the caffeine. And yeah, it's it's I I'm consciously aware that this is not healthy. This is not good. Right. Uh, I'm consciously aware of what it's doing to me. I'm consciously aware that I'm being manipulated. And yet, you know, it's it's almost now like if I don't. Tap into it. Like, I don't on the weekends. I leave it. But, like, uh-huh. Monday morning, you know, when I'm going to my office, it's there. It's this, this right. you know, it's almost like, okay, I've read the legitimate news now. <laughs> now I got to check the tabloid <laughs> bullshit, you yep. know, and CNN.com. And I know it's not healthy and I know it's not doing me any good. Certainly not really informing me of anything. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's an odd uh, loop that I seem to be finding myself stuck in. And it's tough. And it's, it's not just yeah. you. It's not just me. It's everybody's doing it. I mean, my normal routine, I'll come in, and after I take care of B and let her out and stuff like that, I'll make myself something to eat, and I'll sit in uh, the home office, let's call it, and I've got some surrounding monitors. It's like a dysfunctional bat cave, basically. Yeah, yeah. So on one side, I'll look at my uh, emails and everything and go through that, and then click on the left side, and I'll have, like, Fox News in the background. <laughs> Now, there's nothing good that's going to come from this arrangement, and yet yeah. it's part of my new normal. It's what yeah. I do every friggin' day when I come home. Yeah. There's, a, there's almost like this, this craving for information of some kind. Now, did you ever get around to seeing that the clips of the exchange between Wolf Blitzer and Nancy Pelosi? No. Like I, a week or so you ago? You know, it's, it's surprising that I, oh, I didn't stumble across that, um, given how often CNN reruns this shit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's there's, there's almost like this... this CNN segment of, you know, look at what our reporters, you know, did to this idiot or, right, right. you know, look at how we bitch slapped this person yep. down. So I'm surprised I never come across that. And especially because they do that ad nauseum. I mean, I'm sure Fox does as well, but they never do it with Wolf because Wolf never really takes a stand either way. Yeah. You know, you know where he leans, you know what his thoughts are, but he never doesn't even to, to audibleize it. But in this exchange and maybe tonight after the show, I, I've got to pull this up for you. There's a, an old episode of The Simpsons that revolves around Valentine's Day. Okay. And Lisa gives the little nerdy kid, I forget his name. Uh, it wasn't Wilson. But the kid next door? Ned Flanders' kid? No, it wasn't one of the Flanders' kids. It's the police chief's son. Oh, okay. okay? Yeah. And she gives him a, a Valentine. He takes it to heart. It's like his most special thing ever. Oh, yeah. Well, he normally eats crayons, so right, it's not exactly. surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Just like 
most of the news watching public. Yeah. And there's a scene where she finally rebukes him, and Bart has it on film, and he's like, if you slow it down frame by frame, you could actually tell the exact moment that you ripped his heart out of his <laughs> chest. And that's what I can think of when you're watching this exchange between Wolf and Nancy. Yeah. You slow it down frame by frame, and you can see when he pauses, stares dead at the camera, and you know he's thinking, fucking bitch, it's gone now. It's yeah. on. This yeah. is what I really think. Well, I think a big problem is he's become a character to me. Yes, you which know? is sad, because yeah. he worked his ass off to get to where he is today, Yeah, and it happened overnight, but it was so just sudden and, and indiscreet that none of us caught it. Yeah. But yeah, so went the fortunes of CNN, so went the fortunes of Wolf Blitzer. Mm -hmm. And he stopped being uh, what I considered a rock-solid journalist. Uh, cut from the mold of a Sam Donaldson. He was a bit yeah. of an attack dog, you know, yep. but that was part of his charm. Yep. Um, to just kind of the same as all the other ones and all the other stations. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the homogenization of... Yep. You know, and it's there. You're on this side or you're on this side. As Garcho Marx would always say, you know, these are my principles. If you don't like them, I have others. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So, yes. again, before we get dour, because right. we're trying to be uplifting as, as much as we can uh, in this episode, because, yeah, the, the storm clouds are gathering yeah. on their own. Yeah. It's, it's, it's feeling like a, a Sisyphusian effort right now, doesn't it? Wow, look at this guy. Yeah. As Hans Gruber would say, benefits of a classical education. <laughs> And there you go. But We're yeah, gonna hit him with a with a segue, buddy. And you know what? Let's not even tell him the whys. Yeah, let's just play it and take it from there. Well, we got an intelligent audience; they'll figure it out. But yeah, let's yeah. let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. I'm with you. I'm All with right, you. folks. We're gonna play this little ditty for you, and then we'll be back shortly with some more things and stuff.
I, I, I miss Tom Jones. I truly do. He's still alive. Is he really? Yes. Is he still doing his Tom Jones he thing? He is still doing his Tom Jones thing. He's, he occasionally puts out new stuff, too. Does he he's, really? He's very into, uh, well, at least let's say on the European front. Very yeah. collaborative. Works right. with a lot of different okay. bands and artists yep. and stuff. Yep. Yeah, his, uh, his stateside uh, character of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, but so what, a, what a grand caricature. <laughs> what a grand caricature. Yep. And, and just, just so uh, representative of that era. Mm-hmm. You know, that 60s swing. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I'm sure as, as our very intelligent audience has figured out where we're going with this, uh, the great Sean Connery has passed away at the age of 90. Indeed. And, uh, and yeah, it, 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 uh, it's, it's a passing. It's not just a passing of a man, but it's a passing of an era. Yep. It's a passing of a philosophy, a time period. And, uh, you know, the guy was... There's a big difference between being iconic and being an icon. Mm-hmm. And Sean Connery was an icon. He really was. Go uh, on, flesh that out for they, us. They don't... You know, he, he was a heavyweight. He was mm-hmm. a heavyweight. Um, I guess i give you an example. Um, I've always found... Uh, as far as in entertainers and actors, specifically Sean Penn, to be very iconic. Mm-hmm. But he's iconic in the mold of a Marlon Brando. Right. He's not himself an icon. Okay. Brando is an icon. So you're thinking more along the terms of like an archetype. Um, That's just the word I would use, not to say anybody else. A little bit more than that. A little bit more than that. I mean, an archetype doesn't necessarily have a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something about Sean Connery that he carried with him in every role he played, in every public appearance he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about his background, how he developed, how he became, uh, you know, initially early on in his career, shockingly enough, James Bond. Right. And, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that at one point he walked away from the whole James Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. And still, he was Sean Connery, you know. I, I, he was a fantastic actor. As much as I loved his James Bond films, yep. that wasn't those weren't the roles that that I absolutely loved him in. You know, my two favorite Sean Connery roles were probably the role he played in Hunt for Red October, mm-hmm. um, and in a, a lesser known film called The Russia House. I never heard of that one. It showed he had a bit of range. The Russia House was based on a, a John Le Carre uh, novel of the same name, and in it he played a, a an alcohol sozzled. British publisher, mm-hmm. and he inadvertently stumbled upon a Russian uh, writer who was also, who, as it turned out, was a bit of a spy, mm-hmm. and he wanted to communicate information to the West. Uh, and it, it actually brought up a very interesting uh, idea. I don't know how it was, how much, how accurate it was, but uh, he wanted to communicate to Connery that the Cold War period was a farce, mm-hmm. and that during that period, Russia didn't have the means to get their missiles off the ground. Right. You know, and that the whole Cold War thing had more to do with economics and it had more to do with a lot of things that had nothing to do with war. Hmm. And Connery showed a degree of range. I mean, he was still Sean Connery, um, but no hairpiece in this one. Right, right. And uh, (laughs) and Michelle Pfeiffer was in it as well. She played a a very interesting character, a a Russian girl. And uh, it just showed that he had a bit of depth Acting-wise, it wasn't the uh, snarling James Bond, you know, ego kind of thing. He showed a sensitivity that you're not really that used to seeing in Mm -hmm. Sean Connery. And it was like the yin and yang of Sean Connery. The Mm -hmm. Hunt for Red October, where he played, you know, Ramius, you know, this Russian... You know, sub commander mm-hmm. who was you know a mountain. You know, he the the, the character himself was you know uh, iconic, I guess you could say. And uh, and on the extreme side, on the extreme opposite end, you know, playing this drunken publisher. You know, mm-hmm. he showed a, a, a kind of a, a sensitivity and even a weakness, if you will. He was uh, m- a morally questionable individual. But in what was great about the uh, the arc of the character was when it came time for him to step up and be a hero, he did it. Mm. You know, he was very much an everyman in this movie. Right. And, you know, he was, he was uh, confronted with things. The British uh, MI6, 
drafted him, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. you know, to become one of them and to, to, to trawl this, this guy, this contact he had uh, for information. And uh, the, the reoccurring theme in the movie, I actually never read the novel, I probably should, but uh, he kept saying, this, this character, this Russian character, Dante, he kept saying, will you betray your country? Will you betray your country mm-hmm. for the greater good? Right. And in the end of the movie, he makes the decision, yes, I will. Hmm. And uh, it's a fantastic movie. Like I said, it's good. not you know, one of these blockbuster roles and these right. blockbuster films or whatever. But uh, I, you know, having seen it, I couldn't see anybody else but Sean Connery play that character. Sure. No, that, that's good stuff. I would say, um, you know, other than it, this, his Bond roles, uh, my favorite two um, roles that, that Connery did... And you're going to get a trip out of this because we're going to go a little bit down a rabbit hole. All right. Um, the first one's easy. It was his performance in The Rock. Yep. Even though he's playing a character who is, in effect, James Bond. Yeah. Uh, so there's not much of a departure yeah, there. Yeah, he really is. He really is. But That's a good point. Because he, he's mastered that role, he lends such a gravitas to it yeah. as this, this socked away SAS operative and whatnot. And they bury him because he knows too much. Right, right. Yeah. And if you think about it, yeah, good movie. Nobody else could have played that role, at least not as effectively, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, the other one, uh, a lot of people would disagree, but maybe not once I explain myself. Uh, he was in a little uh, flick called The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was his last film. Was it really? Not. Yes, it okay. was. 2000, uh, I want to say 2004, 2005. Right. Yeah. It was the same year that he got knighted. Gotcha. So yep. I want to say, yeah, it was probably 2005. And he took the role playing um, a famous uh, character. No, correct myself. Correct okay. myself. I just checked my notes. That was 2003. Okay. Yeah. Good. Glad you said that. But we don't want uh, Maura Goldstein oh, right now. Oh, I know. Then. I know. We'll hear about her in the next episode. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that 2003 was 17 years ago. That was yeah. his last film. Yep. And it bombed at the box office. But I don't know about you, but I enjoyed the film. Well, I here's it. the thing. Yeah. He, uh, he, he said the only reason he did the movie is because he was mad he passed on Lord of the Rings. Because oh, no he didn't kidding. think that was going to have the life that he did. Okay. And he thought that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was going to be another franchise. And okay. That's why he wanted to do it. Yeah. And he got to play a famous character of Alan Quartermain, Quartermain. right? Yes. But here's, here's the thing. The, um, the movie is based on a graphic novel written by this guy, Alan Moore, who's like a, let's call him the graphic novel savant. So okay. more of his stuff has been made into movies than I could yeah. mention in one sitting. Folks, graphic novels are Johnny's wheelhouse, so <laughs> right. pay attention, take notes. But the thing, and I recommend to anybody, if you get a chance, I mean, it's on the level of The Watchmen. No Also kidding. written by Alan Moore, really? by the way. Right. All right. Because in these League of Extraordinary Gentlemen books, they take all famous characters from the same time period in world literature, the early 1900s, late 1800s, yep. and have them interact in these graphic novels. Yep. Okay, And there's so much research and whatnot that they came out with tomes um, after these books, just reprinting each page with little numbers, okay, to describe either a reference that a character makes about another character or something that might be in the background of one of the illustrated panels that they lift from these classic books. So this League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which they really don't touch on in the movie, was the earliest incarnation, according to the books, of MI6. Interesting. And All in the right. book, the league, these assembled characters they have, yeah. answer to an, a gentleman by the name of Campion Bond, who is James Bond's great-grandfather. Oh, wow. <laughs> no kidding. So again, all the stuff being intertwined, he might have known this, he might not have known this. Yeah. But again, it's like he is married to the James Bond character in so many different ways. Now, like you said, he can act. The man's got acting chops. Yeah. But... I wonder, with that devilish wit that he was so famous for, mm-hmm. and the twinkly eye, and oh, yeah. he kind of almost, I don't think he would ever make fun of himself, but he was probably a fan of self-deprecating humor, and he knew what the character of James Bond meant to so many people, sure. and so many of his fans, and look, that's, it's what paid the rent for so many years. So oh, he would God, never yeah. sully it, okay? And I have a quick trivia question for you, since I know we're both James Bond fans. Yeah. All right. What was the one James Bond movie he was in that wasn't actually a licensed James Bond movie? Ah, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Let me check my notes. Oh, that's him um, and his notepad, folks. Watch out. <laughs> would it be Diamonds Are Forever? No, sir. Okay. Good guess, though. All right. Because that was his last official 
James Bond movie. Yeah. When he came back and did Never Say Never, Never, Never Again. Never Say Again, okay. That was not, and you see it in the opening credits, they were allowed to use the character, but James Bond doesn't appear in the titles or anything like that, and it was not produced by the um, Broccoli family. Right, it was, right. It was kind Salt of like Broccoli. Right. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but there is that, there is something, and it's <laughs> funny. No, that that answers a, a question I've long had. That there was always something. I don't know, for lack of a better word, odd about that movie. Yeah, there was something he slightly is clearly different. Clearly, too old to play the role. Oh yeah, and it was a it was a, and they worked it into the, the, the script. Well, the title was based on a quote from him where he, mm-hmm. he said never again. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think that was also the uh, the debut of uh, Kim Basinger as a Bond, not as any actress, but very young she Kim started, Basinger. Started yes yeah. as a Bond girl. Yeah, which is also slightly incongruous. But that was one of the things about Sean Connery is you could put him with young starlets. Of course you could, and you could make it. You know, when he was fifty nine years old, People mm-hmm. Magazine called him the sexiest man in the world. Right, which is that's wild. Yeah. Fifty nine years old. He was still carrying it. And now on, on, on that note, I think, you know, again, one of the biggest contributions Sean Connery made to, let's call it pop culture, yeah. um, was, you know, vis-a-vis the James Bond character of those early 60s movies created, and this is why John Lovitz would say, it's acting, <laughs> <laughs> created a style, if you will, mm-hmm. that lent itself, of course, to James Bond character, but it was a style that was mimicked then, and it's still mimicked today. And I would say to you know most men, let's say you don't wear uh, a suit every day, you know, to get up and go to work, you know, like many of us don't anymore. Um, but most men, I think, will freely admit that when you're putting on that suit for a job interview, a wedding, or a special event, or something, mm-hmm. you're looking at yourself in the mirror. You might quote a James Bond line or two. Oh hell yes, you know? absolutely. Hello, Porsche. <laughs> Yeah, Bond, right? James Bond. But that the basic look of the fresh burn or tan, okay, the one inch showing of the stark white French cuffs with mm-hmm. the with the cufflinks, yep. the uh, ultra shiny Rolex or Omega watch. I mean, these made these movies made these brands. Oh yeah, into it was the a, luxury it was, items they are today. Yeah, a style icon kind of a thing. I mean, that was a very very uh, cult. There was. I don't want to say upheaval because that came later in the 60s, but there was definitely a cultural shift yes. going on at that point in time. I mean, he made Dr. No in 1962, mm-hmm. and uh, Thunderball came in 1965, and in that time period, he did From Russia with Love and Goldfinger, and it, it very much established... I mean, a, a good parallel to it was Playboy magazine at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, Playboy wasn't, it wasn't a, a stag mag, for lack of a better term, it was very, very much a style and culture magazine. Right. And James Bond, the James Bond character, was very much in step with that uh, evolution, I guess you mm-hmm. could say, going on in that point in time. Right. And I got to say, you know, from a distance, looking back on it, it looked like a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. It really did. You know, and another way to look at it was, yeah, in a, especially in the, the early James Bond movies with him, you know, they've always had exotic locales, mm-hmm. but there, maybe it's just because of the passage of time, they're, they're more exotic now, looking at them, because so much in the world stage has changed. Yeah. But don't forget, you know, the driving force, whether at the, cinema or at the cinema or in the economy, at that time was now all of these matured, middle-aged, with families and kids, World War II veterans yeah. that had all served overseas mm-hmm. in Germany, in England, or in the South Pacific, and for them, they're getting to see these, these places. Now, they could identify with this self-made man who's putting himself in places of danger around the globe. Mm-hmm. It was a different kind of a connection that he could make that any James Bond today could possibly make with the audience. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, not to get too philosophic about it, but it's, it's something I think that's, that's often overlooked. Yeah. Um, well, how many, how many Aston Martins do you think they sold? I'm glad you mentioned the Aston Martins. Because if you look at just that, okay, the cars that he... I mean, we always identify him with the silver Aston Martin, mm-hmm. right? And I'm so glad that in the newer movies, they kind of brought it back and yeah. retrofitted it. Yeah. But the cars would change, and we're going to try and stay away from Roger Moore right now, <laughs> but you mentioned Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. He's driving a Mustang. Yep. That's true. Okay, there was time true. for some American muscle to get represented. Oh yeah, and um, Thunderball wasn't it? There an iconic Mustang in that film as well. It might, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, his uh, nemesis actually in Goldfinger. She drove 
the Mustang. Okay. Because he was racing her down to the mountainside. Right. And I always wonder to myself, how did she get a Mustang in Switzerland? <laughs> and why does Switzerland, Switzerland look like Southern California Ventura Highway? That's it makes weird. You, it kind of makes you wonder. It does. <laughs> right. it does. And they spoofed that in Austin Powers, too, because they yeah. thought the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just all these like little subtle things that became part of the cinematic lexicon, mm-hmm. you know? We didn't know what the hell a secret agent was. They wore trench coats before him. Yeah, now here true. he is. He'd sit right down at the table with the supervillain, you know, yeah. and be like, "Oh, my name is Bond, James Bond." Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Let's play poker. You know? yep. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It was uh, that that whole time period um, that he became, you know, a global superstar. And the fact of the matter was, you know, playing a James Bond character, he did become a global superstar, right. you know, along the, along the lines of the Beatles yep. at the same time. Um, it just, it's, it, it, again, looking back uh, from this perspective, it makes it look like it's just a, a fantastic time. It and had to be a hell of a ride. Were, yeah, <laughs> things were changing. And, you know, and a credit to Sean Connery being an icon, he chose to walk away. Yeah. And continued to make Fantastic films after that. You know, he, won, he didn't, didn't win an Oscar until 1989. He got a Best Supporting Oscar for The Untouchables. Yes, and yes, another great role. Yeah, I mean, think about it. That film would, would not have been yep. that film without him right. playing that role. And it, he brought everybody else in the cast up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of funny. I, uh, uh, Alec Baldwin had a book out, uh, I think it was called Nevertheless. And he actually made reference to uh, working with Connery on... Hunt for Red October. And he talked about, you know, the other great people in the cast. Um, uh, uh, Scott Glenn mm-hmm. uh, was another one. Uh, Tim Curry. Yeah, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. But Edgar, he said... Uh, obviously, Edgar. Um, James Earl Jones also. Yeah, James Earl yeah. Jones, exactly. But he, in the book, he says that when Connery walked on to the set, for him, yeah. being a young actor, it suddenly became surreal. Sure, sure. Just completely surreal. It was like, oh my God. I'm doing scenes with 007. Right. You know, that's the kind of heft that Connery brought even at that point in his career. Yep. yep. I mean, that was, that was 19, I believe, 1991. Yeah. So that was, God, almost 30 years. See, we could have this entire tribute section of the show <laughs> and not even mention Zardoz, <laughs> where he runs around in a diaper. That, you know. that, was, a, that was a funky costume. Just weird. Just yeah. weird. But yeah, the, 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 the stuff he did over the course of his career was just absolutely remarkable. Agreed. And, and I have to laugh. He was quoted in an interview in 2005 as saying he was done with acting. And uh, in, a, in a total iconic quote, uh, when the interviewer asked him why, he said it was because of the idiots now making films <laughs> in Hollywood. And it's just perfect. That's just Tell done. your mother that, Trebek. <laughs> And not coincidentally, that was the same year that he was knighted. So Go figure. Yeah, I think there's a connection nice. there. I do. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to throw out a third gem now. Let's do uh, it. It's kind of a tribute piece. It's so obvious. It's a low-hanging fruit, but it works. How about a little Johnny Rivers doing Secret Agent Man? I like it. Right? And then we'll be right back with some more things. There's a man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger With every move he makes, another chance he takes Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow That you find A pretty face can hide An evil mind Oh, be careful what you say Or you'll give yourself away Odds are you won't live to see tomorrow
dead And then laying in the Bombay alley next day I know you let the wrong words slip Kissing persuasive lips The odds are you won't live to see tomorrow Classic, huh? Secret Agent Man. <laughs> you know, it's such a solid tune, and everybody knows it. And it's been it's been copied by so many people. Oh God, so many dozens. Yeah, and it's an easy song to do. You know, believe it or not, <clears throat> I actually had a very surreal experience. I want to say this was probably do share ninety five, ninety seven. All right, maybe um, wandered into a club that my band had played frequently. It was one of those situations where we went in there because we knew the bartenders because we played there and we could get free drinks. And I walked into this club. It was in, uh, God, it was right on the edge of Beverly Hills. I don't remember the name of the club, but we walked in and I looked up and there was Johnny Rivers playing. No kidding. And it was like, holy <laughs> shit. Oh, my God. We, I, now that I think about it, I remember we had gone to the club. It was a Monday night mm -hmm. because the Rolling Stones were in town. And uh, they had, you know, some guys that they always played with, like Waddy Wachtel. Uh, in L.A., and we we were hoping, you know, maybe a few of the Stones showed up to jam right. and whatnot, which Keith frequently did. This wasn't one of those nights. Mm -hmm. But we walked into this club, and I look up, and there's Johnny fucking Rivers. And it was like, oh, my God. I mean, this is like... I mean, this guy's on a different level than so many other people as far as being a legend in rock. And uh, and sure enough, you know, we we sat through the set, and people were grooving, and when he came back out for the encore, he rocked in the secret agent, man. No doubt. And the place went nuts. Right. And I'm talking like a jaded L.A. rock sure, crowd. Sure, sure. And we dug it. And I remember just sitting there thinking, man, this is amazing. Right. This I mean, there's, there's a song that you might consider like hokey or whatever. But still, when you see the original person do it live, you're, yeah. you're going to mark out for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know we've hammered this tune to death this episode, but... Iconic, just absolutely yeah. iconic. Yeah. You know, and the dude looked good. I got to say, for he was probably seventy at the time. Oh, sure. And uh, you know, and he had a, as you would expect, a kicking band with him. Yep. Yep. And uh, and they just they just tore it up, and it was just, nice. it was just fun. It was just so much fun. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. And, and Godspeed, Sean Connery. Thank you Indeed. so much for the entertainment for everything. Right, and he'll live on forever because he's a celluloid hero now, as the oh, Kings man. would say. The, the volume of work speaks for itself. You know, speaking of celluloid heroes, uh, we heard this week from an old friend of the oh, show. Oh, God. Now, you know, you're thinking, oh, my God, what abomination is this? <laughs> no. No, little Moira Goldstein. Yes. Out from, of Sioux City, Iowa. There we go. Right? And uh, she's an avid listener, and she's also very good at catching the very rare... Flub. Well, if that's you that's will. that's why I'm worried when you mention her name because it's like, oh god, we. No, don't worry, up. it's oh, me. No. It was oh, me. Okay, it was a John okay. one. You're you're in a clear. All right, fair enough. Uh, she points out, uh, such a nice young girl. Um, <laughs> sorry, I haven't heard from you a while. I've been busy with some school. Blah blah blah. Talks about her family for a did, second. Did she did she start this letter with dear assholes again? No, no, no she didn't. <laughs> no, okay. Stop. She's a nice young girl. <laughs> Um, but she says, you know, in the last episode, you had referenced the movie Iron Eagle. She says we have that on DVD. It's one of our favorite movies at home. Uh -huh. And you uh, mentioned the lead character as Alex Masters, when in fact his name was Doug Masters. Damn, she's And she good. is totally correct. Wow. I don't know how I shanked that. Wow. Oh, Doug Masters. Yeah, just so overacted and amazing. Wow. So thank you, Moira, for <laughs> pointing that out to us and keeping us honest. Are you sure she didn't start the email with dear assholes? No. no? You're thinking of one of our other fans. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All three of them. It's hard yeah, to get them confused. Go. You know? yeah, yeah. But no, she's so good at pointing us out. Thank you, as always, Moira. I don't have uh, any swag to send out at the moment. <laughs> we, we can't send her a yeah, cup. Times are lean. No, but, my goodness. You know, okay. But you're on the list, honey. We'll get something else. I'll send we'll it get back her a t-shirt. We will. Yes. Just got to get another Smedium. <laughs> I guess. So, John, anyway, before we shut <laughs> it down, <laughs> anything going on in Big Boom Radio this week? Oh, now you know there's always something going on in Big Absolutely. Boom Radio this week. Uh, just, as always, uh, updating all the regular shows during the week. Don't forget, there's always something on. And you can always see our schedule just by going directly to BigBoomRadio.com. There we go. And on the page that says, ironically, schedule. Mm. 
Nice little piece of art right there. It tells you each day of the week what's going on, what time it happens. Yeah. And, of course, on the front page is always showcased who was on the showcase that week yeah. listed. Very yeah. diligent with that stuff. And I don't know about you, but I've become rather fond of the live show. I've been enjoying listening to that. There's You're saying that because you know there. how much effort goes into it, and you <laughs> want to make it keep doing it. Damn you. <laughs> that is uh, every Saturday at 5 o'clock, correct? Every Saturday at 5 o'clock. And you know what? Just to be like quirky, I'm keeping the name Live 5 at 5, Okay. even though now it's more like Live 10 at, at 5, but that doesn't really yeah. roll off the tongue. Yeah, true. And there's another show on a station that I'm aware of that just does Live at 5, so I can't call it that. Sure. So, yeah, screw it. We're going to just call it, and we're going to name it something that's got nothing to do with anything. It's like a lyric from a Beck song. You know, it doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah, it is what it is. So, it's still live five at five, as you said, every Friday, or every Saturday, rather, at 5 p.m., where we go back and relive some of the greatest live rock performances of all time. Good stuff. It's a lot of fun. It is. It'll take you back. So, on that note, I think that's about it for this episode. Right. As always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Sean Lee. We're so happy you could join us, and we'll see you next time on The Flip Side.